This is the Snug Podcast. In this episode, Digital Asynchronous Collaboration Using Engage. It's fantastic on the 75th anniversary of the NHS. Here we have a real opportunity to use digital solutions now to be able to deliver some immediate benefits. Perhaps that should be rephrased as digital asynchronous collaboration system. Welcome back to the Snug Podcast, where we explore some new developments in the world of GP information technology from our home here in Scotland. I'm Andrew McElhinney, a GP in central Scotland. Now, just like trying to get a GP appointment these days, you have to wait longer and longer for a new episode of the podcast. But we do try and keep them coming, and hopefully the topics are of interest to anyone in Scottish GP practices out there, and really any listeners who are interested and how general practice is developing. Today, we're back talking about DACs, Digital Asynchronous Consulting Systems for General Practice, in case you'd forgotten. We have had a few episodes about DACs before, and I do remember an episode, particularly when we were just about to start using one of these systems in my own practice. But in case you need to get a reminder of what DAC systems are all about, I thought I would use the advice that we got in the last podcast from Dr. Keith Grimes about using ChatGPT to explain it like I was five years old. It's like sending a letter to your doctor and getting a reply back. So instead of waiting in a waiting room to see the doctor, you can use a computer or a special app on your mom or dad's phone to talk to the doctor. You can tell them what's wrong or ask them questions, and they will write back with advice or help. It's a way to get medical help without leaving your home. I thought that described it quite well. So we've looked before at systems like eConsult and Ask My GP, which have been around for a few years now. Today, we're going to hear about a fairly new system for Scotland called Engage Consult. It's been in use in England for a while. And I spoke earlier today to Michael Wong and Sandeep Singh from Engage Health Systems about their plans for Scotland. So I'd like to say welcome to Michael and Sandeep from Engage Health Systems. Now, am I right in thinking that used to be Wiggly Amps? That's right, yeah. We used to be known Wiggly Amps way back when. So, you know, when we're you know, literally on our hands and knees working in general practice, you know, installing networking, installing patient check-in screens, I guess over a number of years we've rebranded as uh, Engage Health. But yeah, certainly, you know, Wiggly Amps is um, a name that not many people forget. Yes, that's right. And then um, whereabouts are you guys based? We're based in Norfolk. That's my colleague Sandeep. He's based in Scotland. Great. So you're both very welcome. And today we want to talk about your new system called Engage Consult. So where's the best place to start? Thank you, Andrew. So I guess in concept, you know, Engage Consult is pretty simple. It's a, a patient sending a message across to practice. But I guess probably the, the one thing that we should think about is, you know, what you know, DAX stands for. So um, 
my understanding it's digital asynchronous consultation system or as we say in England, it's an online consultation system. So I guess that the, the key thing really for us is that asynchronous bit. So not having to do things at the same time. So you know, us having a conversation now, that's synchronous. A patient call in the practice, that's synchronous. Um, a face-to-face -face conversation, you know, that's synchronous. So um, you know, typically the interaction between a, a patient and practice is at the same time. So, yeah, as I said, I think the, the key really for us is that asynchronous bit, you know, not having to do things at the same time. So it's how we use that time before responding to a patient is key. So, you know, that time could be used to, you know, uh, review what a patient sent across. That might be a medical history. Um, that might be a, a response to a couple of simple questions. But that might also be, you know, the opportunity to do some self-referral self-care navigation that might be to um, NHS inform or indeed I guess if you think about the other part of that that C is perhaps it could be collaboration so that could also go to you know other services or other teams so yeah as I said in concept it's pretty simple a patient sending a message to a practice online via a website but what might be key here is actually what we do with this message and how we pass it on either for the practice to deal with or indeed to collaborate with other providers to help with the practice and, and give people time for recovery. So, so what's the main difference you would see between Engage and other DAC systems? You know, one thing here is, is really key is around the, the configurability piece. So you know, having done this for a number of years in England, I guess um, you know, Scotland has a benefit of learning from you know, some of our experiences and some of the feedback from our practices. So you know, being able to change things on the fly, being able to set the times which the service is available, the number of requests that come in, the type of questions a practice wishes to ask. You know, th these are frequently some of our, our top 10 requirements from practices. Uh, I mean, I, I guess, what we found is that there's different ways of using online requests for help. You know, in the pandemic in particular, um, things changed so much. And, you know, we had discussions in the practice about how best to use it. You know, for did you use it for almost total triage at one stage? And did you deal with it for urgent requests for help or non-urgent things? And I have to say, as time has gone on, we've moved much more towards online requests for non-urgent help, you know, and, and the telephone still very much uh, for, for the urgent stuff. What do you say to practices who are wondering about how best to use it? Yeah, we understand each practice is different. Yeah, we often hear that you know, okay, it'll work in this practice, but not in our practice. You know, we have a different set of patients. We have a different set of operating models. So again, you know, to go back around that you know configurability piece, you know, we appreciate that each practice will be different, and as such, it'll call upon different services to best handle those requests coming in. So as you said, Andrew, that might be from a you know, total triage basis. That might be you've got a great team of diabetes nurses. So we have the ability to you know, look at those requests and then think about actually where is best placed for that request to go to. Um, Sandeep, from a, a training perspective, you know, what are some of the key things that you know, practice will ask or question about when you're doing some of the implementation work? to further comment on what Michael is saying, it's uh, when contact is first made to engage the business as a whole, we have that conversation with all staff members at any practice, at any level to discuss what is the best way for this product to be used. So during implementation, we have discussions with practice managers, we have discussion with receptionists, we have discussions with clinicians, and we 
use those discussions to shape how this product is best used by that practice. And as Michael said, no two practices are the same. So the idea of making sure that it fits for that specific practice is something that we do really want to push as a whole. As I say, that conversation is had during implementation, during training, ongoing support and constant feedback that's given monthly meetings, bi-monthly meetings, every six months, so on and so forth. We do keep that conversation open with the practices while this is while this product is live within their systems. Yeah, and just building upon that in terms of that configurability piece, you know, if a request comes in and said it, it might not need to be dealt with by the practice, different areas will have different resources, different support available. So in one part of the country for one health board, it might be okay, you know, we, we have some you know, fantastic local resources around befriending services. You know, we have some great MSK facilities. So in the first case, okay, well, you know, why don't we you know, try and steer patients towards that particular resource? But also internally as well, you know, we provide some of that work to be able to help manage those requests. So you know, we have some great automation features where actually you know, look at that request and pass it on to the most appropriate person based upon why a patient is sending on in that particular request. Am I right in thinking then, I mean, obviously England is probably a bit further ahead than Scotland in, in a lot of this stuff, that there are kind of groups of practices. I mean, in Scotland, we've got clusters, but I mean, does the organisation of this sit at practice level or do you see it sitting above practice level? Very much depends on where you know the practice or you know, PCNs in England or clusters in Scotland are in terms of that, that digital journey. So mm. I guess, you know, from a from a history perspective, it used to be individual practices, you know, took this on board and dealt with it, you know, very much individually. But I guess if we've seen both the model as well as a product evolve, we actually it's a realization that you know, if we are working in a network, if we are working in the cluster, we have the ability to harness resources across the entire group or organization. For some PCNs in England, they may deal with the online consultation first and then pass across to a GP practice. For other areas, it may well be the GP practice deals with it first, but any any additional demand placed upon that practice is then passed across for an overflow for the PCNs. Because I guess that's a tier of organisation that we probably don't have in Scotland, you know, that it's probably going to be practice level organisation that we're talking about. Yeah, I can say, or, or if you extend it towards a, you know, um, you know, a CTAC or, or other services. I suppose when we think about CTAC, we're talking about treatment rooms, we're talking about chronic disease management, we're talking about phlebotomy maybe, but patients are not asking these services for help. You know, they're asking the practice for help and then the practice is organising that. So I, I guess it's just trying to visualise how how we're pitching this to practices really. Yeah, I guess uh, perhaps a slightly different way of think about it here in England, the, the online consultation framework is being renamed or rebranded. Re so from online consultation to digital pathways, so yes, whilst that request might go to the GP initially, you know, the GP can act as that triage, that response to understand well, actually what exactly does the patient require? You know, where is the best place for that time, that right place of care, the right type of care? You know, a lot of situations it may well be that, okay, right, you know, how does a patient access that particular resource? Okay, well, patient typically has a relationship with the GP as such, GP typically tends to be the first point of contact as we move, as we transition patients across to perhaps a slightly different way of thinking. So, you know, it, it shouldn't be the case that the, the patient directly knows who to contact. You know, 
patient has a relationship, patient will call a GP, and what we're trying to do is put those tools in place to work you know, collaboratively, you know, whether that is as a you know, GP practice, whether that is as a referral to um, MSK, or actually, you know, before you go into hospital, you know, we need to go and see the phlebotomist first, we need blood sample, we need urine sample, okay, let's do this first, rather than, you know, go across to an appointment and say, well, actually, we don't have a blood sample for you. We don't have a urine sample for you. So we have the opportunity, going back to what I said earlier around that asynchronous part is, you know, you know, let's use some of this time, use this time effectively to put patients down the right pathway rather than go down one route, then come back again because something hasn't been done along that particular process. Yeah, and I, th I think something that Mark said maybe in the discussion at the Snug Members Day, he was talking about the... English NHS app you know and how that's been used quite a lot I think for booking appointments and, and like you say for patients who who don't really care how the care is delivered or, or you know who's organizing it they just want to be able to book appointments get help use an app make everything nice and simple we're not anything near that in Scotland yet unfortunately it's still very much based on the old-fashioned phone the practice for most problems you know and it gets sorted out so if we're moving towards a world where we want to do more online let's imagine a practice is still in the traditional model of, of, of using the phone for everything obviously we've got to re-educate patients to use a website more we've got to re-educate a lot of people in the practice and organize stuff differently. Where, where do we start with that? Let's, let's say you, you come to a practice for this is this is all new. You know, where do we start? We, we've got to retrain staff. We've got to redesign our website. We've got to educate patients. You know, wh what do you say to a practice who wants to take this on board from a very early level? Yeah, I guess the, the good thing is having done this in England first, we've got some experience doing this. So we appreciate you know, um, that for anything it's all going to be new so it's so whether you are a practice who has been doing you know, stuff online whether you're a practice who has you know relatively you know low use of your websites um i guess you know we offer you know a really shallow on-ramp in so far as it may well be okay here is a, a demo site and currently in scotland we have a number of sites and health boards and practices using engage consult on that basis okay so let's use it you know, we don't turn it on live for your patients to use. It's live for your practice to use. So you can click on buttons. You can make mistakes, not we can make many mistakes. You can see you know, what each feature does. You can play with it. You can do your video consultations through there. You can send each other you know, SMS text messages for, you know, for example, you know, um, flu jab invitations. So you can do all of that internally. So you get an opportunity to play around with it, move these messages across, put these messages directly back into the clinical system, whether that's new vision or remis, or without the fear of, oh, hang on, I've broken something, or without the fear of actually, I've got a live patient here, I better know what I'm doing. So in terms of that on-ramp and how we turn people on, it's effective at your pace. So yeah, um, Sandeep and the rest of the team have some great experience just holding people um, by the hand to get this thing live. And if you can probably you know, if you imagine, especially during some of the COVID times where we did some of the, the rapid acceleration, you know, we've built up a huge bank of experience of trying to get people live. So whether that's live as a brand new practice, there's no previous, as it were, digital footprint, or indeed transitioning from one system to another, um, we, we have lots of experience around that. And I guess especially um, the situation Scotland finds itself in where you are transitioning from um, one clinical system to another, 
Um, hopefully what Engage Consult can also bring is some of that continuity from a patient perspective. So I appreciate there's, a, there's a, a multitude of challenges migrating from one clinical system to another. So we also have, yeah. So, so that's a great point actually, um, is what kind of integration uh, are you going to have with the new clinical system, which is going to be vision uh, in Scotland? So, I mean, a, a massive question that people have is how can you make it easier to deal with these messages when they come in? Do they come in by email? Do they come directly into a list? And what's the integration with vision like? Okay, so all of the requests, they, they come into the system called the engaged clients. So this is where you see all of your requests, both um, the requests that come in either you know, internally from your practices, as well as requests that you might wish to pass on to um, you know, collaborative organisations as well. So first of all, we have some of these features where you can you know, have those requests intelligently routed. So for example, if there's an admin request, okay, let's pass this directly to the admin team. If this is a diabetes request, let's pass it automatically to the diabetes nurse. But those requests are visible on the screen and then you can assign and pass it across to other people, either within the practice or indeed outside of the practice. Thinking at the moment about how we do it, we get basically a list of emails and then an admin staff member has to sit and basically funnel those into appointments, you know, for, usually for GPs to look at. Um, so I guess we're still going to be working off an in-tray of requests. And like you say, you could direct them to different team members, but it's, it's still the same admin task of allocating those into a slot for somebody to deal with. Yeah, so we have some of those tools to, to, to help you by taking some of that first step by passing on to Archie. What does the patient want? OK, this sits in this particular bucket. This is either an admin request or medical request. So the request might not be you know, to an admin person in the first place. It might be admin goes to admin, medical goes to a nurse, and you know, it might go to a GP who owns that particular session for reviewing online requests. But then from there, you know, request comes in. Well, actually, what do I want to do with it? Do I want to deal with it myself or do I want to pass it on? If I want to do it myself, I see the history of that patient, why a patient's contacted the practice and you know, what help they would require. And you know, I can then you know, see the patient. So that might be seeing the patient um, you know, face to face, booking appointment, or indeed it might be a video consultation. But you might also, well, actually, I just need a bit more information from you. So you could send a message saying, actually, can, can you provide me a bit more information? OK, fine, I've got this information now. I can deal with that particular request. And especially not having to play telephone tennis or wait on the phone whilst you know, you're, you're trying to call someone and they haven't picked up and then they pick up the voicemail. So it goes back to that asynchronous. Well, actually, you know, I just need to send a, a quick message. I need to get a quick response. You know, th this is not super urgent, but what we can do is you know, once we have that information and that consultation is completed, we can then put that information back into the clinical system. So whether that is vision, whether that's EMIS PCS, so we have the integration where you know, that request, that history goes directly back into the patient's record, um, both as structured data um, with a you know, very you know, easy, concise view of that patient, as well as a more detailed PDF. So you're saying that for practices currently using EMIS PCS, even though they'll be changing systems over the next year or two, that Engage can integrate with their system from now? Yeah, yeah, and especially when they migrate from EMIS PCS to Vision. Well, actually, whilst the clinical system might change, you know, the Engage Consult um, system is there as that continuity basis. So patients will use the same platform, 
practice we use the same platform yeah, and as I said you know, practice have a huge amount to think about when they're migrating from one system to another hopefully this is one area where it provides that continuity between the two systems and and just to make the point as well that the messages aren't integrated into docman are they no they sit separately so we have integration directly with uh emis and vision would you have plans to try and allow integration with docman yeah, I guess from, from where we sit at the moment, I think we can achieve the greatest amount of um, integration directly with the clinical systems themselves rather than the third party product. OK, yes, uh, I understand. OK, a basic question people are going to want to know about is how much this is going to cost them. So I, I don't know what you'd say if you're asked that. Yeah, so so in England, you know, there are some some mandated prices for online consultations. In Scotland, you know, we charge on a uh, population basis, on a per patient per year basis. So depending upon your know, patient list size, you know, this is the price you'll pay for engaged consult. So uh, I think we can be bold enough to say the price per patient per year in Scotland is 19p per patient per year. But also we have a pricing model, which means it's really attractive to help you guys bring on board other services as well. So as I said, you know, the collaboration piece is key here. You want to make sure that not everything needs to be dealt with by a GP. There are opportunities to redirect patients to um, a more efficient or more effective service for their care. So again, you know, bring on board CTAPs, community services, MSK services worked really well in England. I think it's going to work really well in Scotland as well. So I guess an example of this is around MSK self-referral. So typical route, Andrew said before, request comes into practice, patient wants to see a physio, that request gets passed from a GP to a physio. Sometimes a patient may say, well, actually, I want to see a GP here, I don't want to see a physio. So by allowing a patient to contact a physio directly for that self-referral, we'll see much higher compliance rates, much lower DNA rates, because now we have a choice where a patient says, well, I want to see a physio and I'm seeing a physio. So I'll attend that appointment versus um, I want to see a GP. GP says you should be seeing a physio. Well, actually, I want to see a GP. Why am I seeing a physio? So you know, that, that's why we encourage these services to come on board. How, do, how does your company provide ongoing support and maybe updates for the system? For for the ongoing support, as I mentioned, uh, we're, there is a, a fairly detailed implementation process with getting the engaged consult product up and running. Uh, as I mentioned, we have you know in-depth discussions with all staff members at practice and organisational level, and then with the practice manager or lead clinician or whoever, we do have monthly meetings. Um, meetings every two months, meetings weekly. It's entirely up to the staff what level of support that they want. As I mentioned, you know, there's there's some practices where we have uh, meetings every two weeks down in England, and then there's some practices who we have meetings every six months. It's, it's just the way that <laughs> it is sometimes, you know, sometimes people just want to be left alone and just want to get on with it, whereas uh, some want that constant sort of uh, uh, support and feedback and we, we run monthly reports and uh, you know we we check on even patient feedback which is also listed at the end of a patient journey to see what trends are happening there and we feed that back to practices as well uh, practices also have access to those reports um, and as I say that ongoing support is is from when you go live to when you're no longer live with us if you do choose to leave it's 
it's through that entire journey that you're with us that we do provide the ongoing support. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be quite happy to pick up on that you know, product development piece because, you know, sure. um, as Sandy says, you know, it's it's ongoing, it's evolving, you know, whether that's in terms of the service being operated from you know, the NHS Scotland perspective or indeed from a product perspective. So, you know, great product team here looked after by Emma. You know, we have um, you know, some tools to collect patient feedback, practice feedback, user feedback. We have regular ongoing webinars as well, where we demonstrate um, new features, beta features, you know, where we solicit feedback, as well as you know listening directly to requests. So um, perhaps a, a good example of that is a you know, bank holidays. Yeah, you know, so, so bank holidays in England are different to bank holidays in Scotland, which always causes some, some great confusion here. So you know what we've recently developed is you know a bank holiday system which accommodates for both. Um, got a couple coming up in August time, so it'd be great if practice wants to have a look at that in terms of how we you know, let patients know that the service will be unavailable during a bank holiday. So you know, we release um, every two weeks, so we work in two week sprints. So what that means is you know, we get sight of you know, new features coming across. We have the ability for that team you know, it, it, across our business to provide feedback, thoughts, suggestions, ideas. And then we release that to our um, practice for them to have a look at as well. So we operate on both a beta feedback level. Uh, and so far as, okay, here's release, let us know what you think. Through to, well, actually, you know, here's some feedback, let's release it to everyone. So we have the opportunity for practice who really want to be involved, you know, to take a look at the, um, uh, the beta releases so they can see sight of the product before those features are released to everyone. Yeah, so that aspect of, of user responsiveness is really vital. So one other thing I just wanted to check if, for example, something goes wrong in the practice is a situation where you maybe need to switch the requests off at quite short notice. Is that easy enough to do from within the practice? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, so whether it is um, about a sickness, whether it is a water leak, um, whether it is a fire alarm, practices are able to switch it off themselves. Yeah. Practices are able to determine the hours that the service is available. Practices can also determine the number of requests that come through as well. So whether that's on an admin level or a medical level. So we have different pathways depending upon that request. So said so we have that gradual on ramp. So it may well be, okay, right, for, for when I get started, I'm going to accept five requests. But as I get more comfortable, more confident in the system, I'll turn this up. But also on Wednesdays, we have a protected learning time. So I'll make sure on the Wednesday afternoon, this service is turned off as well. Yeah. So it's all uh, within the hands of the practice to configure themselves. Great. Yeah, no, that's that's smashing. Yeah, in terms of, you know, the bit about you're talking about almost having a reply to patients function if somebody sends in a picture and it's too blurry and you want to message them back to say please send another picture so so the the, the replies to patients go back to the patient's email do they or is it sms it's, say, it, it, it's up to the practice to a certain degree so in terms of the response first of all you can either select from your own template of responses so you might have a list of standard responses so it might be okay you know please could you resend a photo, please could you take a clearer photo. Um, we're currently you know, reviewing your request and we'll get back to you later on today. So we have all of those templates already in place, um, either for you to choose from 
or indeed to create your own templates, these commonly used responses as well. And in regards to that mechanism, so we have the, the opportunity here to go back to the patient in a number of different ways. That might be directly through the engaged messaging service where your know, patient logs in with their account, they're able to view that message within their account. It could be notification that they have a message um, via SMS. So as you know, you know, SMS is not secure, it's not timely, but also ensure um, your kids probably do the same as mine. They'll know the, the, the password to my phone. They can pick up and use my phone in exactly the same way as they would use any of their own devices. So uh, from that perspective, you know, we, we think that SMS is not a particularly great way to deliver you know, messages securely. Uh, but also uh, we have your know, email notification as well to say you've got a new message. So if you think about something like online banking, you know, online banking, you don't get a, you know, um, a plain text, a plain email, which you know, describes all your details. That's usually locked and secured behind a username and password. And especially around your know, patient identifiable data, medical information, you know, we treat it with the same amount of respect. Yeah, but also we've got some some great stuff, you know, coming where actually where we have the ability to dramatically reduce the SMS costs as well. So we appreciate that, you know, health boards um, in Scotland, you know, ICBs in England, you know, spend you know, literally millions of pounds per year on SMS costs. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, you know, SMS might not be the best way to do this, but for the vast majority of um, you know, ICBs and health boards, perhaps it's the only way they can contact patients. So we're looking forward to releasing um, an app and some you know, new features element where we can help health boards and ICBs dramatically reduce those SMS costs to patients. Okay, well, listen, thank you very much, uh, Michael and Sandeep, for joining today. Pleasure, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. So really interesting to hear how things are developing in England, where primary care networks or PCNs can provide a broader range of services beyond a typical general practice in Scotland. So they may have pharmacists, social workers, as well as physios, mental health professionals, and they, they often employ care navigators to guide patients towards the most appropriate health professional or service. And they do value teamwork and collaboration among healthcare professionals. So you can really see primary care and GP services in Scotland heading in the same direction. More attached staff and practices and probably a tendency towards GPs becoming fewer in number. So triaging, care navigators and collaboration between different healthcare professionals are all likely to be increasingly important in the future. Contact details from Michael, Sandeep and some links to find out more about Engage Health and how some English practices have used their system are in the podcast episode notes. So that's it for another episode. Speak to you next time and hope you have a great summer.